What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Hi, Butch Patrick here, Eddie Munster. You're listening to the Neverland Podcast. This is the Neverland Podcast, episode 89. Welcome to Neverland. Take a start of the right and stay until morning. It's us again. Hello. Hello. Yes, I am me. I am your Spider Pan. I am your host, Jeremy. And of course, I've brought along with me the Wendy Nerd. Yes, we brought Heather along because you're yep. going to be more regular. Okay. funny. It does come out kind of funny. Get it? Ha ha. Okay. Uh, yes, they don't get much weirder than this. They don't get much better than this either. Yeah. Well, no, they could. We get better. <laughs> We've got all kinds of stuff to do today, but, uh, but first, everybody needs to take their pixie out of their pocket, get some pixie dust. Do you have some pixie dust? I think so. Okay, well, we need a happy thought. Sprinkle some of that pixie dust. We're flying to Neverland, and I tell you, we are jam-packed. Uh, like, for example, yesterday was this little event called D23. Perhaps you heard of it? I heard of it, yep. Yeah. And then, of course, you remember where I went last weekend. Yes. Yes, the Kansas City Comic Con. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I'm teaching her her cues. <laughs> so, yes. And, of course, also, last weekend was also Friends of the Magic down there with Paul Berry and all the other Disney podcasters. I wasn't there, but our regular contributor, I think he's becoming a regular one of our co-hosts now, but Eric mm-hmm. Warren. Yeah. I forgot his Lost Boy name. Isn't that sad? Oh, Lost Boy Eric? Well, we do call him Lost Boy Eric, but he's got a nickname. And mm-hmm. I've got it on the website, and I meant to look that up, and I completely wasn't paying attention that I to look it up. I even have the website was up and I didn't look him up. But uh, uh, he's been on here so often lately that I'm thinking, you know what? He's just going to be a regular part of the show now. You know, he's he's always here. Uh, so, yeah, Rhett Law. Rhett Law. Rhett Law, which is, of course, Walter backwards. So <laughs> so we're calling him Lost Boy Rhett Law. He went to Friends of the Magic. He wasn't necessarily there to represent the Neverland podcast if I would have coordinated a little sooner maybe we could have had done something uh but he was there of course just enjoying this time with his family and so he's got a trip report also he has sent us some audio 
which I haven't gotten to listen to yet. That was nice of him to yeah. just do that for us. Yeah. So some, we got some park audio that uh, we'll be listening to through the course of uh, the year. We still have <laughs> we have some audio still from Jesse from last year that I haven't even gotten to yet. Oh, when are we going to get to it? I, I, there's all this other stuff to fit in. So wow. uh, I am not. I'm definitely not cornering the market on sharing park audio. We leave that to Paul. Paul does a wonderful job over at Window to the Magic. Yeah. So I just yeah. like to share some park audio because it's fun and we enjoy it. But we have so much other stuff to talk about. Uh, in fact, I think we will get started with uh, all the things that came out uh, at D23. This is Gary Gnu, and the No Gnu's is Good Gnu Show. The only TV GNU's program guaranteed to contain no GNU's whatsoever. Neverland News from the Disney Parks. Well, right out of the gate, there was a lot of announcements for the parks. Uh, of course, they even did some stuff for the Shanghai Parks, which is pretty cool. But it's like, oh, that's not going to be here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. but, you know, maybe, maybe something will change. But, of course, first thing... We have to, of course, mention Star Wars news. Yes, Star Wars themed lands. Now, this we weren't. I'm not really shocked about this. We knew it was coming. Well, inevitable. I mean, they yeah. had to, you know, maximize the franchise in some way, yeah. of course. And they teased everybody last year. They had the little boxes of like crates of with little bits of Star Wars hanging out of crates. Like, mm, oh yes, it's, it's coming. Something. It's coming. So this year, they flat out went ahead and spread the news. Uh, for both Hollywood Studios and in in Orlando and in Disneyland, a complete Star Wars themed land. They're going to, I guess, be putting these around the current Star Tours rides. Uh, from what I am hearing, though, this is going to be about 14 acres, and the Toontown uh, Roger Rabbit spin is unfortunately going to go away. And, oh, that's kind of sad. Yeah, we never got a chance to ride it. I haven't had a chance to write anything. Yeah, I'm working on that. Yeah, no. <laughs> we're working on it. Uh, but this is cool. They're gonna have some sort of they, two two major attraction mm-hmm. rides that they've mentioned. One of them you're gonna be piloting the Millennium Falcon. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, and the other big event is you're supposed to be participating in a battle, some sort of climactic huh. major battle from the Star Wars universe. Interesting. The Don't. trench run, perhaps? Well, see, that's what the old Star Tours used to be. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it. I, I kind of miss it. I hear from 2.0, I've never gotten to read it, write it, but I, apparently there is no uh, Death Star trench run any, anymore. <gasps> no! So maybe they will find a way to get a trench run somewhere else. But uh, mm-hmm. Oh, Star Tours is going to get an update, though. Uh, something from okay. The Force Awakens. Don't know what, because mm-hmm. we haven't gotten to see it yet. Okay. But something from The Force Awakens will be in Star Tours now. And it's a lot e- The cool thing with the, the, the 2.0 is they can just add it right into the program. You know, that once they've got it shot, they don't have to go and like, oh, we need a brand new film. It's all just right part of the system. Interesting. Yeah, so it's a very neat, neat system. Yeah, I'd, uh, mm-hmm. we'll have to teach Heather about Star Tours, Star Tours 2.0 and what all they've done to to mix it up to where it's now exactly what George Lucas wanted it to be where it could mix up and you could you could have new adventures and it not always being the same. Oh, that's good. That yeah. brings you back time and time again. Yeah. Now this All right, this next thing this is pretty cool. Okay. So, Toy Story? Yes. Toy Story themed land is going to go into Hollywood Studios. This is supposed to be a counterpart to Cars Land over in Disney's uh, California Adventure. Thing is, is uh, when I was looking mm. at this, and I, I love Toy Story. Yeah, I know. So I, I, I would still, like I would definitely enjoy this. But I look at Cars Land, and you know they have this great racing thing, which takes you through, you know, meets a lot of the characters, and then you get to race, and it's high and fast and everything, and fun. Looks mm-hmm. great. 
what I'm seeing of this, and I would still write it, it's adorable. Okay. It is Slinky Dog. I love Slinky Dog. Yes, and he's a roller coaster. Oh, that's but, fun. Yeah, but it, well, he's a kitty roller coaster, which oh, well, only yeah. makes me think over in Bugs Land where you have the Heimlich Choo Choo, which I've never ridden, but I would ride because it sounds cute and stupid and fun, and it's I would still have fun. It's a it's Heimlich. Yes, so it would be, it still to me sounds like it would just be fun. It's, mm-hmm. you know, not, not really a thrill ride, but it's just cute and fun. Mm-hmm. And that to me sounds like what Slinky Dog is going to be. They're probably just taking the exact same track that's Heimlich's Choo Choo and bringing it over. So not quite as exciting, I think, as uh, as Cars Land, but still, if you know, bringing the world of toys, and apparently when you walk in there, you're supposed to be like your miniature ice to the size of a toy, and you get to walk around Toys Land. Oh, well, that sounds like fun. So, and they're going to build this around their other big one, the Toy Story Mania, which uh, I've heard something about some updates coming in for Toy Story Mania. So. Some new things, and Toy Story Mania has been a huge hit, and I, uh, when I was in Walt Disney World, we completely missed it somehow. Oh, well. But the lines were apparently really, really incredible, because it was a, a new ride at the time. So I haven't gotten to do that one, so we'll, we'll do that one of these mm. days. But uh, yes, they did have a really cool preview for uh, the Iron Man experience over in Shanghai, and the, the fun part about this... Now, uh, Paul Berry of Window to the Magic was meerkatting the, this event, and... I don't know if anybody was actually there in person because they had uh, uh, Joe Rohde and I think Bob Iger there and talking. I was just seeing them on a screen and Stan Lee did come out and they were really cute the way they brought him out. They uh, mm-hmm. they said they were going to have a contest and they were going to randomly pick a seat and somebody was going to get to go with Iron Man himself to go to, to have a trip to New York and visit Stark Towers and the, the Avengers Tower. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Mm-hmm. And they call out a seat and Stan Lee comes up. Oh, did I win? And it was oh, great. <laughs> you would have loved seeing Stan Lee. Yes, it would have been... I, well, I'm... If somebody knows that he was there in person, let me know because I only saw video of the video screen because, you know, Paul probably just got in there best he could to a mm-hmm. seat. So if there was a live stage, he was trying to make sure everybody could see it. So thank you, Paul, very much for uh, yep. covering that because uh, I got to learn a lot because he was covering. Uh, but then, you know, Stanley came up, but basically they showed a little clip of the Shanghai Disney ride, and you're basically going to be going along with Iron Man and fighting these big weird Hydra bots and everything, and it's going to be fun, but. It's kind of a tease to show us that it's going to be in Shanghai because still, why not something here? Now, I know Orlando, they have problems with Universal because Universal has the rights to make any Marvel ride, and they've had it for a long time. But, you know, is there room in Disneyland for some Marvel other well, than a meet and greet? Do you, you know how, you know, like, Japanese culture, Chinese culture, like that? they like their robots. I mean, all you have to do is look at a little anime or manga, and you know they like the robots, and maybe that was just a, a place that they knew that this would take off. Well, they love Marvel over there, too, so this well, gonna, yes, they're yes. going to love it, and I'm glad they're getting one, but yeah. I want some a little closer to where, you know, heck, it's <laughs> struggle enough for us to be able to afford a trip out there, but let alone trying to take a trip out to Shanghai or to Paris to see some of the neat things they build. I'd love to go, but I just don't mm. see it happening. Mm. So, but other than that... I think I'd be up for Shanghai over Paris. Well, but Paris has some really cool stuff too. I don't know. So, oh, but I Shanghai would be fun because I yeah. would like to see Mystic Manor. Uh, well, of course, Mystic Manor's in Hong Kong, but oh. I think they're I, uh, they might be building something similar in Shanghai. I forgot all the details, but they're going to have that Tron ride in Shanghai. Hmm. So that'll be cool when it's done. But it's still under construction, so it's a long way off. Okay. Uh, also, now I didn't. I don't remember a lot of the details, but there's a Jungle Cruise themed restaurant coming, That'd which be fun. Yeah, that sounds like it would be kind of a fun idea. Um, there's probably a lot more information out there than what I, I dug up. I'm I'm 
I guess I'm not really a big person who's concerned with restaurants, other than I thought that was a cool idea, yeah. and maybe they could have some uh, some authentic style food for the areas that goes through the Jungle Cruise. I'm just kind of thinking what they what it could be like. Um, I, I there was a name for it, and I forgot what it was. Hmm. But I, that seems to be like a pretty cool area, because you can have a lot of fun kind of ethnic type foods to try. Absolutely. So absolutely, it's kind of an exciting concept. I just don't know what all they're doing, and I didn't research it because I'm I'm not a foodie, I guess. Yeah, we're we're, <laughs> we're kind of like the the non eaters. We yeah. just eat whatever. I'd be and that eat, that know? schmutz who's going to go around and eat the burgers and fries around Disneyland. Yep. Although I did get to try a few different things, some buffets and stuff, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've never really eaten anything fancy, and but who knows? Given the opportunity, yeah. uh, we might do something in fancy. Who knows? Your attention, please. Disney movie news. Okay, so what would be a D twenty three without some serious movie news? And boy, was there movie ever! Now, did you get to? I don't think you got to see some of these posters. Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, well, you're familiar with Drew Struzan, even if the name doesn't ring bells for you. So, what, what, they play, what? He, he doesn't he, play. Look at these posters right here on our wall. So, this, is this, like, an artist? Yes. Drew okay. Struzan has done every Star Wars poster. Well, all the all okay. those major ones. The Raiders posters. All these movie posters back when they wanted, like, oil painting, good stuff. Now they I don't gotcha. do it so, so much anymore. But they have... He, he's he's of course it's Star Wars. He's got to do it. Oh well, that's so maybe excellent. maybe it'll bring back the trend of, of real artwork yeah. for movie posters. Yeah. The- uh, but yes, uh, look, I'm going to uh, do a quick pause. You all will never notice this, but I'm going to do a quick pause and show Heather this poster because it's really really cool. Okay, so now uh, we've got it uh, where she's getting to take a look. Uh, it's, it's it's different from uh, what we got used to. Yeah, it's. Um... I don't know, it's, it's more minimalistic. Like, when you see some of the other Star Wars posters, there's a lot on them as far as, like, other characters and things. It's, it seems like it's very simple. And I couldn't help but notice Han Solo being very prominent as opposed yes. to some of maybe our other uh, well-beloved characters. Yeah, I, I kind of like that he's there because it, it makes me think that maybe Han will be a bit more active in the movie because... You know, I know this is going to be the older cast kind of passing it on to the newer cast, but having yeah. Han prominent on there makes me think he's going to still have a major part to play. Which would be awesome because I love Han Solo. Yes. But I love the way, I mean, we got used to, because even with the original trilogy, he did some new posters for them where they were kind of, you know, that black outlined, mm-hmm. and then he drew some really, you know, basically just a lot of headshots. Uh-huh. Uh, but this is more full body character. It's He's got the tradition of where you have the uh, uh, Kylo Ren, the new Sith guy, Kind of in the background, the background. showing the, like uh, the New Order Tie Fighters, kind of with him, very traditional. But what I'm finding to be very, very interesting is that we see Finn has a lightsaber. I was expecting Ray was like maybe, maybe she was going to be Han and, and Leia's daughter, and she's somehow another estranged. But she would have Force abilities from the Skywalker blood, you know. And so I was expecting her to get a lightsaber, but yeah. Finn is there on the poster holding one. I was honestly hoping for a, a girl Jedi. Yeah, that would have been pretty cool. Uh, she's got a staff, and I'm sure she'll be totally awesome. But maybe sure. he, if that if that is Han and Leia's daughter, maybe she takes after her father a little bit. Maybe so. She's supposed to be, but a, she doesn't have a blaster at her side. Well, maybe she, you know, she's on a desert planet. Maybe she doesn't need the blaster. She's got that staff, and she'll knock the daylights out of you with it. She's uh, a scavenger of some sort uh, on uh, Urkit, a mm. new planet. Okay. But uh, I'm kind of curious with Finn, because we've seen him in, in Stormtrooper garb, 
you know, previously. And here we see him on the poster in some uh, different kind of outfit. So, who knows? We don't know anything more about these characters. But seeing him with a lightsaber is like, oh, I was, I didn't expect that. I thought her with a lightsaber was yeah. was going to be it. But uh, so who knows? And we may get a, a curveball at the end, and they both may be Jedi. Yeah. That would be pretty cool, but you, you have to have somebody who's sort of a bit of the scoundrel thing, and if she's kind of the scoundrel character, that would still kind of be cool. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be fun, and that would be different. So I'd still, you know, I'd be happy either way. I'm, I'm just excited. Okay, but there were also a Disney release. Of course, you had to have all these posters. There was a Finding Dory poster. Pretty much looked exactly like the Finding Nemo poster. Same lettering. Uh, there was an Incredible two, or Incredibles 2 poster, but basically mm-hmm. you just take the I and Incredibles from the original, you know, that little circular symbol. They yeah. split it in half. It's a two. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, also, though, we found out Toy Story 4. Did you get to hear about this? No. No. Well, they've said, of course, we knew it was coming. They had mm-hmm. already announced it. But it's going to be some sort of love story between Woody and Bo Peep. Oh, I think I did see that somewhere. Yeah. But here's what I want to know, because Bo Peep wasn't in Toy Story 3. No, That's right. so, I don't think so. Yeah, so is remember. this really, Is it, it could be a sequel, maybe Woody goes off to find whatever happened to Bo Peep, sold away in a garage sale, or could this be a little bit more of a prequel? Oh, yeah, like them getting together yeah. and their little romance. Uh, yeah. Is it, hmm. I'm kind of wondering where they're coming at this from. Hmm. You know, or they, they find a way to bring Bo Peep back? I don't, I don't know. It, it, it could be fun. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited. That's a, that's a good idea. That's an interesting idea. I'm sure there'll be some more storyline with it. And uh, I'm sure they'll have, a, have to have a way to have Buzz in the story somewhere. So they can't yeah. go too far back as a prequel. Yeah, because Buzz is a very, very beloved character. Yeah, so you have to have Buzz thing. in there. Yeah. Also, uh, I, this is kind of, I got to say, finally. Because for years, Philip and I have said, you know, they've never Disney has never done Jack and the Beanstalk. Well, they had Mickey Mouse with like well, kind of a Jack and the Beanstalk, right. but not like a classical Jack and the Beanstalk type not, not in their normal fairy tale style classic animated films. Yeah. Well, after Moana, it's going to be a film called Gigantic, which is the story of Jack and the Beanstalk. Uh, apparently, it's going to be a little different. There's... He's going to befriend, I guess, an 11-year-old giant girl. Hmm. So, uh, they're, of course, they have to have a romantic element in there because there really isn't a Jack and the Beanstalk. No, Jack and the Beanstalk, the re- the real story is fairly straightforward. Yeah. Go, go vanquish the uh, evil giant. No, it's going, uh, you know, he gets the harp that's supposed to restore the land where the, the crops will grow again because the harp was stolen by the giant. Depends on which story. Yeah, you, but well, that's read, the main one that's but... always, to me, been, been consistent is the golden harp. He, and he, he steals the golden harp away from the giant. But there's a couple other things that he steals, too, though, in some stories. Um, yeah, I think there has been some other ones. But I know the golden harp has always been consistent. It's always in there. Yeah. So they could have made the golden harp into a full character, too, that maybe there could have been a romance there. Maybe maybe the golden harp actually was possessed by the spirit of some princess or something, and he has to free her from it. They could have come up I, I with I don't stuff. know. I think we're speculating yeah. wildly here. Well, of course, because we can. Because we don't know what's coming with that. But, of course, in the tradition of modern Disney, which I'm getting tired of... Mm. Because at one point it was going to be Rapunzel, and then all of a sudden it became Tangled, and then so when they do the, uh, well, sort of the Snow Queen, it becomes Frozen. Everything is a descriptive noun single word title now. So that would be an adjective, wouldn't it? Well, descriptive noun. Well, okay, Descript- not descriptive noun. Descriptive. Yeah, it's like you know a single I mean. word. Well, it becomes a noun because it's a proper noun because it's now a title. Now it's a title, I gotcha. And so this is gigantic. 
Yeah. So tangled, frozen, gigantic. We got a trend going here. Yeah, and it's I like know. can't they? It it's, doesn't it's, seem. That, it's well, not just them though either. It seems like everything's got to have like a single name because we want that single name to yeah. go like really big. So that's all we're known as. It's just it, it, it kind of began with enchanted, really. Mm. Yeah. But it's like I, I guess it's a bit more creative than just using the title of the story, which is what they used to do in the old days. But it's like can't, I don't know. It did the job though. That would, you know, yeah, I, I kind of liked it that way. And if they want to be creative with it, can you come up with more than just one word? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I'm probably just making a mountain out of a uh, mohill. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, still. Uh, it's kind of nice to hear what's coming. I'm, I'm also excited still with Moana once again, though a single word thing. But uh, Moana is an actual name of uh, some sort of Hawaiian Polynesian. Uh, mythic goddess or something, god or goddess. Mm. I can't remember if it's a god or a goddess, but you know, so that makes sense. So, not sure what to expect from that. Don't know the story at all, but still excited. It's going to be we'll fun. We'll find out. We will find out. It will be awesome. Oh, but also, there was uh, some footage shown for the the Civil War, Captain America Civil War movie. Okay. Uh, now, I didn't get to see the footage. I haven't found the footage. So I, I, if you are following on the Twitter and our Facebook page, uh, there has been YouTube people describing it. Uh, we did not see Spider-Man in it, but it does get to show who's kind of taking some size. And they are, of course, coming from the angle of Iron Man being for, you know, we have to have some accountability. And Captain America being, uh, no, this doesn't sound right to me at all. And we saw Captain America getting his own team of West Coast Avengers there at the end of the last Avengers film. Also meeting up with them again at the end of Ant, or well, in the middle of Ant-Man. Uh, so it's going to be kind of the West Coast Avengers versus Iron Man's East Coast Avengers. Hmm. Uh, and the fun thing is, Black Widow and Hawkeye are going to be on opposite sides. Interesting. Yeah, because they really established them as good, like the best of friends and everything. And she's like family. So I'm interested to see how that's going to play out. How that fell out. Yeah. yeah so going to be very, very cool. Uh, they apparently you got to see a little bit of Black Panther, uh, but like I said, I haven't gotten to see this footage. I'm excited to have it pop up. But it's time to move on to our next uh, event here, which is the Kansas City Comic Convention that I was at last weekend. There were lots of booths there, and of course, uh, no visit to the the convention is not the same unless you go out to the booths and go and talk to some people and see some creative things that were going on. Uh, so I did, of course, go and visit several booths. Talked to some creators, some uh, comic writers. Uh, I talked to a couple of uh, celebrities that were actually in Star Wars movies. Even though they were background characters, that's still pretty cool, I thought. They, they, you would have been able to see them and know them like when you were telling me about them. Like, well, yeah, because the pictures, you, they were in such makeup and stuff in Star Wars that you wouldn't have recognized them on site, but they had photos of themselves. I meant their characters. Like you would have been oh, able, yeah, you, you, would, you would have recognized their characters. You would recognize their characters. Um, but the actress who, uh, Orly, I can't think of her last name right now, who played Shakti, was just tired of answering questions about the time I got to her, so she recorded us a nice bumper uh, that I played last week, but uh, I did get to talk to the actress who portrayed Barris Ophi, which, for anyone who's that's not conjuring an image in your head, she has kind of yellowish skin and these kind of diamond uh, things across her nose and cheeks. Uh, she was also in the Clone Wars series, although uh, she they reversed her age a little bit and made her Ahsoka's age when she's supposed to be about Anakin's age, so it was very weird. Uh, and I actually did uh, bring that up with her. But, uh, yeah, here she is, the actress who played Bears Ophi. And uh, she'll say her name because it's, it's a little tricky to pronounce and I don't want to mess it up. 
Hello, my name is Nalini Christian. I played Barris Offie in Star Wars Attack of the Clones, and you are listening to the Neverland podcast. Like she was raised in the in the, in the council, so oh, do you want to do it again? Okay. Yeah, I just, I just suddenly had that thought. It's yeah. like a, so. All right, but you played uh, Barris Offie, who was the Padawan of Luminara Unduli. Uh, now I actually had audiobooks when the Attack of the Clones was coming out that she was actually Anakin's age. And yet, when it comes around to the Clone Wars series, they have her more of, uh, like, Anna, Anakin's Prada one. She's about the same age as, uh, my name My name just went out the window. Illuminari, Illuminari and Dooley. Uh, well, no, the, uh, uh, Ashoka. Anakin's, uh, Ashoka. Ashoka. that they had. Ashoka. 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 Yeah, Thank you. I, right. My brain went out the window for that's a second. Right, but yeah, they, they, like, changed Barriss' age around. Yeah. Was that kind of weird for you? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> I guess they just roll with whatever they think is suitable at the time, you know? And they, I think they thought that she was, that age was more befitting because she was raised in the Jedi, you know, in the, in the you know, Jedi, in the Order. And so, therefore, you know, it makes sense to see her at that age, like throughout the Clone Wars series, yeah. So what was it like uh, when you were, uh, did you have to audition for this role or, uh, I mean, how difficult? I did not audition for this role. Would you believe they rang me and my agency told me that they'd like me to go in because Star Wars wanted to see me. When I went in, I wasn't even sure why they wanted to see me. And the next thing you know, I was being fitted out and measured up for a costume. <laughs> and I thought, okay. And I looked at this character and I thought, well, this is an interesting looking character. And there is his history. Yeah. So when you got your lightsaber, where you started to play with a little go, making any noises? No, I didn't make any noises because we're filming. So, uh, you know, there was no noises. It's all sort of, you know, like the special effects that get added right, so you can right. hear all of that and you can see the color. But, I mean, we were very, it was very technique-based shoot. So, you know, we're focused on the movements and the... And, and you know, being graceful and, and learning sequences. That was kind of what it was all about on set. It wasn't about, oh my goodness, I'm already a lightsaber. <laughs> being an acting professional, you're focused yeah. on, you know, the here and now and your scenes. So that was how it was. Yeah. Although I've heard stories on Phantom Menace, you McGregor had a few times he just got overexcited with it, just Yeah, <laughs> some people do. I mean, me and Ollie were having a bit of a lightsaber fight earlier. <laughs> so, you know, we, we kind of <laughs> got a bit out of control, but it was fun. So, so yeah. was it daunting when you realized what you were stepping into was Star Wars? Were you kind of like, oh my gosh? No, not at all. I was just really happy to be on set. I didn't really know much about the character and to the extent of who and how she was and how she kind of fit into the you know Star Wars universe. But I'm really glad that I played this character. I'm very proud of her. Up until recently, I was very proud of her. <laughs> um, so you know, it was a great experience, and I, it's one that will live a lifetime. All right. Did you used to ever watch the Munsters? Um, when I was older, I okay. was aware of them, but we didn't watch them very much. Well, I got to meet Butch Patrick, Eddie Munster. All right, Neverlanders. Who remembers the Munsters? I do. I watched it when I was young, and I'm standing here with Butch Patrick, the original, the only Eddie Munster. How you doing today? Oh, you want me to answer your questions? Oh. <laughs> oh, you didn't say anything about answers. Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, <laughs> uh, this this is just really awesome because you know I grew up on a lot of old TV. I I, I probably was born before my time. So, uh, so what was it like with this uh, this group of crazy actors and these crazy costumes? It was a really good time. The '60s uh, was probably the best decade for. 
television, especially development, you know, before they went to uh, cable channels and they had just all the old black and white, I like to call them escapism shows, talking horses, uh, genies, witches, Munsters, Adam's Family, and things like that. Oh, Martians. Yeah. <laughs> now, there's been rumors that somebody wanted to get a Munsters movie going. If they did that again, would you like to make a cameo in it? Well, I'd probably have to be Grandpa now, you know. I'm 62 <laughs> years old, so I don't think Eddie's going to work. Yeah, you'd be kind of an older... But it could be Eddie's new family if they branched it off. I did that in the 83 when I came up with Eddie and the Monsters for the rock band on MTV. We figured, uh, what would Eddie be doing? And Grandpa lost his power and went back to Transylvania. And then it didn't fly. And then Mockingbird Lane, a couple years ago, was aired uh, by A-list people. Uh, Mark's, uh, Brian Singer and Brian Fuller did it. And it got decent ratings and it didn't fly. So I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and uh, also, I have heard uh, they did the song... Uh, that Whatever Happened to Eddie song, actually on Dr. Demento. Very good work on that, i got to say. Right, and currently Fallout Boy's got a great song called Uma Thurman that's got a huge Munster riff in it. Awesome. Now, I see also down here below that you have uh, some sort of attachment with Disney's World of Color. Yeah, I did a couple of World of Colors. Uh, summer, I believe it was the summer of 67 or 68. Uh, did a few features for them, but uh, Disney was always a good place to go work for. If you were a kid, it was pretty much the, uh, the holy grail of studios. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay, now I'm going to do something a little bit more different. Uh, this is an artist by the name of Daryl Woods. He's known as Darth Artist. Uh, do you remember when we met him first time? Yes, I do. We, it was Free Comic uh, Book free Day. Free Comic Book Day, yep. Yep, he used to uh, do artwork at a comic store that I used to visit. Uh, he's now going to a different store. Uh, but I've got some of his artwork on my wall. He's he's done me as Spider-Man unmasking there from the from the, the Civil War storylines hmm. uh, in Marvel. Uh, also, he's done a really fun Jedi Mickey kind of uh, more... more uh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Mace Windu, <laughs> more of a Mace yeah. Windu style Jedi Mickey. Very, very, very cool. But uh, yeah, I kind of want to introduce him because I actually know this guy. He's really cool. Uh, and you can follow him on Facebook. And also his uh, website is Woody Tunes. I believe it's a .com. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. Raise the money for charity today. Oh, awesome. Yes, sir. I what? haven't even told anybody who you are yet. Okay, no one's okay, getting, okay. They can't see you. Okay. But this is Daryl Woods. We yes. call him Darth Artist on Facebook. Yes. yes. Another local artist. As always, I've, every year, you know, doing Free Comic Book Day, I've, of course, I haven't seen you the last couple of years. I guess yes, I've yes. been in the right spot, but yes. you've been out there. Oh, yeah. And every event around here. I've been I've been at uh, Elite Comics booth. Elite Comics. Elite Comics. Yeah. I'm not sure if I know where that one is. Not 19th and Cabrera. Oh, you see, running around Kansas. What are you running yeah, around yeah, Kansas yeah. for? The gold action is made where the most people are, so I can get, well, yeah. get to most, more people. And more people. Yeah, because yeah, always drawing characters, turning people into superheroes. Yeah, Star Wars stuff. A lot of Star Wars stuff. I saw they're selling some of your artwork, actually, with Thank You, Walt Disney. I recognized your yes, uh, yes, yeah, Jedi yeah. Mickey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Raise the money for that. I'm always like to use my talent to help people, mm -hmm. organizations, children, stuff like that, you know. Mm -hmm. It's a dream come true to use my talent to help people, you know. And you've got to do a few big projects here, I think, too, haven't you? Uh, as, as far as what? Um, I, I, I know you were doing something big with Star Wars at one point. No, just, uh, well, no, I, uh, I go to different events, uh, different uh, hospitals and stuff like that for the kids. Oh, uh, that's probably because yeah, yeah. I knew now, there was big stuff you were doing. Now, with the new movie coming out in November, December, I'm booked up. Of course. Uh, every weekend for different appearances around, around the uh, uh, city and stuff, you know. What's your name? A couple of people wanting to draw. Xavier. Really? Go ahead. Uh -huh. Oh, and he's, he's here signing uh, his artwork. Very fun, kind of does great character style. Uh, a lot of different kind of varieties. Uh, 
I'm gonna have to take a picture of your booth so people can kind of see some of these mechanics. Uh, you lose a lot, a lot of different mediums. I've never really seen you do a lot with digital. You like to still do the uh, traditional materials? Yes, uh, I am not a. Uh, I'm not trained in that. I sent my daughter to school for that to learn that she's really good, but she tried to teach me. I said, Trisha, I can't. No, I, I, mean. <laughs> I like. I like to be like hands-on stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, you you most no, likely never see digital. me doing digital nothing. Yeah, I've actually talked to a lot of other audiences that it's been really difficult to get over to that digital half of things. And yeah, but see, that's what all the big companies want, though. You know, the companies want yeah. that air, airbrush, slick look. You know. Yeah. That's what, the, that's what the young people want. But it's fun still to get something that actually you know has been in somebody's hands. You know. Mm -hmm. So I like getting you know regular work like uh, Rob. I keep getting his name wrong. Like Schomburger. Schomburger. Yeah. His work is great because he, you can see the, the, the watercolor and it's yeah, yeah, you can see the, the brush strokes and the, yeah. the piling on the paint stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what makes your stuff cool is yeah, you yeah. can see the individual actual bits. Yeah. So, yeah, digital's nice for what it is, but still liking to see the hand drawn yeah, yeah, art. Yeah. But everybody, everybody wants stuff. They're just digital, you know. And it's a slick looking, clean looking, tight look, you know. But, yeah. You know. It's got to have that artist touch still. Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh, so, where's the next few places people might be able to find you? I'll be at Crypticon a week, a week, um, next two weeks I'll be at Crypticon car convention. Mm -hmm. I'm making a, a, a new, uh, light painting of Alien, this one here. A light painting of Alien, I'm going to, uh, paint that have last Hemerson Her signings. Oh. Are you planning to sell that for charity after he signs it? Most likely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is going to be awesome. I got awesome. a now if, if, if it looks good. Hey, do man. So. Oh, uh -huh. I don't think I have a current card for you. I'm going to grab one too. Make sure we know where everybody can find you because I just find you on Facebook. Usually. Yes, yes. I got a website, uh, WoodyTune.com. All right, awesome. All right, well, it looks like you got people wanting to draw stuff. All right, everybody check out WoodyTune.com. All right, Neverlanders, I'm standing here with Dennis Hopeless, writer at Marvel Comics. How are you doing today? Doing well, how are you? So, if, uh, if somebody was wanting to, you know, they're an aspiring writer and they're wanting to do something in comic book writing, what's the uh, best path you think they could take? I just make comics. <laughs> I mean, not everybody says that, but, I mean, the, how I got started is I went to college to be a screenwriter and I got married to a woman that was doing a tattoo apprenticeship in Kansas City, Missouri. And that <laughs> is not the best place in the world to make movies. So, you know, I still wanted to write, so I kept writing stories and met artists, started doing comic conventions, and eventually put projects together. And, you know, it doesn't pay right off the bat, and it's frustrating, and it's a learning process, but you have to have work in order to get work. <laughs> if you want to get paid work, you got to show those people that you can do it, and the way to do that is just to make comics. And, you know, back then you had to find publishers and get people, convince people that you were ready, and now with the internet and the way digital comics work, and it's a lot more legitimate than it used to be. Yeah. And you can just, if you can put a comic together and put it online, and it finds an audience. That's all you got to do. Um, so yeah, I'm going to definitely think, write all the time, write every day, uh, go meet creators, talk to creators, ask advice, um, try to find aspiring artists or learn how to draw, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, the sky's the limit with what you can do and where you can put stuff now. So it's just a matter of practice makes perfect and meeting people. And, yeah. Making good connections. I really, everybody gives the same answer because it's just like the but only way to good. do it. But it's all good. Because it's that reminder. You have to have the passion to be able to keep going because you're going to have disappointments where you think something's really good right. and then somebody doesn't like it. And you're like, sure. And you always get better. I mean, yeah. I think any, anything 
that I've done six months ago is disappointing to me now, and that's been the case since I started, <laughs> which I, I like to think suggests I'm getting better. Um, and, you know, that starts at the beginning. So if you want to be great at something, you just do it. Yeah. And eventually you'll get better. So how did you land at Marvel? Did, did you get a contract thing or a full position, or what happened? Uh, I did create our own comics. Um, I did a book called Gearhead in 2007 with Kevin Mellon. And while we were developing our second project, um, and Kevin was working on other stuff, I just went to conventions all the time and met artists and got projects started. So I had all of these pitches and partially completed um, uh, like graphic novels and comic series and stuff that for one reason or another weren't out yet. And I was really frustrated that I didn't have more work out because it had been, I don't know, five years and I had all this stuff piled up that wasn't finished. So I took my favorite completed, drawn, lettered scenes from all those books and sent it out to editors and said, hey, I got all these books coming out in the near future, um, take a look. And I heard almost nothing, basically crickets for 13 months. Ooh. And then an editor at Marvel happened to flip through my packet and read some of the stuff and gave me an opportunity. Uh, Alejandro Arbona, he's not at Marvel anymore, but he gave me a shot on a Legion of Monsters miniseries in 2011. Wow. And while I was working on that, uh, somebody quit X-Men Season 1. I'm not even sure who the original writer was, but they needed a writer right then, and I said I wanted more work. So, um, yeah, so my first two books were X-Men Season 1 and Legion of Monsters, and they did pretty well. Um, the Season 1 books were successful, so they gave me another shot and another shot and another shot. And, yeah, now it's my full-time job. As long as it sells, yeah. So I see here you've gotten to work with uh, the new changes, I guess, for Spider-Woman with the new costume. Yeah. And yeah, they, uh, you know, the book launched in the middle of Spider-Verse, so the first yeah. four issues are like big, crazy, multi-dimensional war, um, and then coming out of that with number five, we kind of just launched as a completely different thing. It's yeah. a big left turn. Very different. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, the response has been great. People seem really into the new, the new direction and my take on Jess, and fortunately, Javier Rodriguez is a genius, so the book looks amazing. <laughs> it makes yeah. me look really good. Um, yeah, we did five through ten were kind of a, a new, different thing. And we're relaunching with the number one after Secret Wars, which would be kind of a continuation of that story. But now, Jessica's pregnant, <laughs> so. <laughs> so everything changes. Right, right. So, oh my so. goodness. So, how does that happen when you're going to have these massive events at Marvel and it's going to change everything? Is this like a huge bullpen meeting that everybody's going to sit down and and plan where where everything goes yeah. in the future and how it changes? Or? They do editorial retreats, and uh, I don't know, like four or five times a year, and all of the. Well, a bunch of the writers and some of the artists come and sit for a day or two and just talk about, like, what are we going to do 12, 13 months from now, where are things going to be? Um, I actually did my first one of those this year, and we were talking about all the post-Secret Wars stuff. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, you, you kind of pitch your idea for what you want to do with a book going forward, and if things sort of match up, they'll figure out a way to make it an event or make the books work together or do yeah. crossovers. And yeah, it's just kind of a, everybody spitballs ideas. It's a little bit like a TV writer, TV show writer, <laughs> yeah. where you just throw ideas around and people will give you give you um, notes on your ideas or ideas that they have that work into that. And it's all kind of organic. And then everybody goes home and writes it and <laughs> makes it their own. And then thinks, wow, everybody's going to freak out when we do this. Right. Which I'm sure Dan Slott has to deal with a lot because there's so many changes to come with Spider-Man that me as a diehard, I always go kicking and screaming, but his writing is so good that I still end up following along for every crazy thing they do to Spider-Man. And Dan has like five, six years worth of Spider-Man ideas in the can yeah. whenever he's writing something. So yeah, He yeah. always frightens me, but he always entertains me. Yeah. No, I mean, he, Dan is a, is a lifelong Spider-Man fan. Like, he, you couldn't have a bigger fan of the character writing it, so yeah, he's very enthusiastic, but he is not... 
He's not afraid to break things and to <laughs> throw things around and scare the fan base. Yeah, and I am guilty of one of those ones. I will rant about, what is he doing? Yeah. What are they thinking? Right. But, uh, oh, looks like you have some people coming up there, but thanks for your time. Yeah, sure. Good talking to you. Okay, Neverlanders. Well, I am standing here with... Hi, I'm Katie. Hi, Katie. Uh, and you are with uh, what group here? Extra Life. Extra Life. And what is Extra Life? Extra Life is a gaming charity. What we do is every year we have a 24-hour marathon for gamers to raise money for children who have cancer under the Children's Miracle Network. Cool. So, um... Our guild works with KU Medical, so all of the donations that we get specifically with the Kansas City Extra Life Guild has the all of that donation money goes to KU, and you know we're helping with medical bills and research and families, keeping them all together. Um, the 24 the 24 hour gaming marathon this year is on November 7th. And it's not just your video games, it's your video games, your board games, your cell phone games, your tabletop games, so D&D, Pathfinder, Shadowrun. I'd love to be able to see somebody run a Shadowrun game for 24 hours. It'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> well, I know uh, Battletech, I think, is that what, I used to play Battletech, I think we played one game and it took us about four hours just to get through one battle with four bots. Right. So, I mean, you could do Battletech for 24 hours. For 24 hours. You get enough people in. I've played Battletech, so trust me, I, I know it can yeah. happen. We did it for 12 ourselves, so. Yeah. Played it once, and I don't. I think I sold it a long time ago. So right. I used to play a lot of these things, but, uh, you know, this and D&D. Of course, D&D has completely changed now these days. Yeah, but you can still find a lot of your groups that do play 3.5 and 2.0 and everything. I mean, I know that a lot of our gamers, we play 3.5, so... I think we're going to try and get a 24-hour D&D uh, game going, too. So. Ah, somebody's got to come up with a really good quest. Or a lot <laughs> of one-shots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, and you said that was in November, and I'm going to grab this because November. it has the website? Yep, the website is extra-life.org. And you can go and sign up and register there, or if you are at the cat at the Comic Con right now, you can either come and find us in the gaming room, or we have a booth out on the main floor. Okay. Well, by the time they hear this, they will not be at this event. That's there for you sure. go. <laughs> so definitely well, go to the website then. We'll be here tomorrow as well. Okay. Well, so. I'll try to get this onto the episode that's coming out tomorrow then. Awesome. Okay. So, Hopefully, you. somebody will go. All right, thanks. Okay, Neverlanders, I'm standing here once again at the Comic Convention, and this time I'm talking to... Executive Officer Mike Calhoun. Chief Science Officer Joshua Foreman. Yes, you notice they seem to have titles? That's because this is a Star Trek fan group called Valiant. It's the 12th Fleet USS Valiant of Starfleet. So how does this become... Is this an official uh, Star Trek organization? Yes, yeah, Starfleet International is the biggest and most recognized Star Trek fan organization in the world. We've got... Uh, chapters in almost every country in Europe, uh, Canada, United States, Puerto Rico, all over the place. About 3,000 different chapters, actually. We're also the oldest. We're celebrating our 41st year in existence. Wow. So what all type of, do you guys do charity events like the 501st, things like that? Or what do you we do? do. Today, this time we're here doing a, a non-perishable food drive for harvesters. A lot of people think about food and donating food outside of the holidays. And hunger doesn't know any season, so right. this is kind of our primary focus. We also are going to work with veterans charities and actually some pet charities as well. So we're uh, on shakedown right now, so we're getting ready to commission. We're a brand new chapter in Starfleet, already up to 20-plus members. Awesome. So we're pretty happy getting some things done. 
Now, do you have uh, requirements for anyone who wants to join? Do they have to have a costume or anything like that? Absolutely not. And if they join, they don't even have to be Star Trek nuts. We, uh, <laughs> we have Doctor Who fans. We have steampunkers. We have, uh, yes, 501st and Mandalorian Mercs. Uh, cool. We, uh, we run the gambit. Awesome. Uh, so, is there a well, like a website where somebody goes to join? Or yeah, yes. Uh, we've got we're on Facebook at USS Valiant NCC seven four two one zero, and our website is www.ussvaliantsfi.com. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thank you. The kids of the 70s and 80s are all grown up, but the good times of childhood don't have to end. Our generation can share the fun and fandom of our youth with the next generation and bring the past into the future. And wrap it all up to make a fantastic present. Join Jedi Schwar and Shaz Bazaar every Monday morning to get your work week started by reminiscing about the past and exploring the future with your earbuds on Techno Retro Dads. So find us on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, or on TechnoRetroDads.com, part of the Shot Glass Digital Network. Hello fellow Neverlanders, this is Lost Boy Eric, also known as Retlaw. Uh, the Spider Pan asked me to uh, give a report on what happened at this year's Friends of the Magic in Anaheim, California at the Disneyland Resort. Uh, Friends of the Magic is hosted by Paul Berry of The Window to the Magic, and it's an opportunity for podcasters and their fans to get together and have a great time all together at the Disneyland Resort. Uh, this has been an annual event for the past few years. It's always the weekend before the D23 Expo, which I know we've had some great news come out of from this year. But, uh, again, I want to talk about uh, Friends of the Magic and uh, the great time that we had. Now, before I left, I found out that Disneyland has actually put out a new app, the Disneyland app, which uh, provides information about uh, wait times at the resort, where you can find character interactions happening at that time, you know, it was a really great app to, to get and to have for this trip because it really let me and my family know when we would be able to, or just how long of a wait we could expect. Now, I've uh, used other apps like Mouse Wait and Disneyland Inside Out, and they've been great. And they've actually got some features like uh, having menus and uh, prices for meals on those apps, which is not something that's been added to the Disneyland app just yet. But uh, again, it worked out great for us. Uh, and. Uh, if you want to take a look at it, if you're taking a trip to Disneyland uh, anytime soon, check it out. Uh, I know that there's also a similar app available for Walt Disney World as well. But uh, anyhow, Friends of the Magic actually began on Friday the 7th of August. Unfortunately, uh, my family's plans were such that we were not able to attend events uh, actually until uh, midday really on Saturday. But I know on Friday... Uh, the first event was the weekly Kungaloosh meet. This is a, uh, uh, a chance to sit down and visit at Trader Sam's at the Disneyland Hotel. Paul hosts this event every week, and uh, you know, regardless of whether Friends of the Magic is going on or not, uh, it's an opportunity to get to meet him, to visit, to chat, and really just enjoy each other's company. Uh, later that night, Gary Chambers of the Mouse Lounge hosted an event as well at uh, World of Color. Uh, please check out mouselounge.com. He does a great show, and I'm certain that we're going to be hearing audio from both World of Color that night as well as from Gary's uh, experiences throughout the weekend as well. Now, Saturday morning was interesting. Uh, those of you who do follow Window to the Magic or follow Paul on Facebook, 
you know that uh, he's actually built up a routine where uh, he's really trying to improve his life and, and do much better health-wise. And uh, what he's been doing lately when he goes to Disneyland is he'll park in the Toy Story lot, which is uh, about a block and a half south of Disneyland proper. He'll park in that parking lot and he will walk up Cattell, or walk up Harbor uh, to the Disneyland Resort. And it started out as a joke, but uh, for this year, they had a walk in Paul's footsteps where anyone who wanted to could meet Paul at the Toy Story lot and walk with him up Harbor Boulevard and to the Disneyland Resort Esplanade. Now, if you didn't think you could make the full trip, uh, there was also people waiting at the Compass there at the uh, Esplanade at the Disneyland Resort. And from there, Paul took uh, the group through all the way through Disneyland and all the way through uh, Disney California Adventure. If you wanted to stop right there, you could, but Paul and those who wanted to remain with him walked all the way back to the Toy Story lot just to, again, get that opportunity to walk in Paul's footsteps and experience a little bit of what he's been doing to make his life a little bit better. Now, after that event, uh, there was a breakfast at Flo's V8 Cafe at Disney's California Adventure in Cars Land. Now, up to this point, me and my family, we really weren't there yet, so we didn't have an opportunity to participate in any of these events. The first one that we were able to uh, actually attend was for the first time in forever. Now, this one was an interesting meet. It was hosted by Steve Swanson of the Muppet Cast. Now, the Muppet Cast has also been around for a long time. It had a bit of a hiatus for the last couple of years, but Steve has brought it back, and it's just as good as it ever was. Now, this was also Steve's first time coming to the Disneyland Resort. He had never been to Disneyland before, so this was a brand new experience for him. And he and Paul have been friends for quite some time, but they had never met in person. So what better event or attraction to go to than the Frozen Sing-Along? Yeah, I know, it has nothing to do with the Muppets. Uh, but the Frozen Sing-Along actually happens at the uh, former home of the Muppets 3D Theater. Now, there has been a lot of changes there. It could be that Muppets 3D is not coming back. But it was a link to the Muppets there at California Adventure, and it was an opportunity for Steve to introduce himself, get to know the friends of the Magic Family, and again, this is the first time that Steve and Paul were able to meet. Uh, the, the show itself was really good. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a depiction of uh, the story from Frozen. Uh, you've got the official Arendelle historian and her apprentice up there, telling the story of Anna and Elsa and Kristoff and Hans and they do play they don't play the full song they play maybe three-quarters of most of the songs in the movie uh, now I am the father of a ten-year-old girl and a three-year-old girl and let me tell you they both enjoyed it and loved it and since I am the father of a ten-year-old and a three-year-old girl I was also singing along too what can I say I know the songs Anyhow, a good time was had by all. Um, I'm sure Steve's going to be saying more about that on the Muppet Cast. Please tune in to listen to that. Uh, one thing that I will mention, though, is Steve uh, really wanted to have the opportunity to uh, remember Wal uh, Statler and Waldorf in their uh, box that's up at the uh, side of the wall. And, yeah, he, he did uh, mention, uh, is it time to go to the bathroom? No, you fool. We're bolted to the floor to echo Statler and Waldorf's last statements before uh, people would leave the theater at 
uh, the Muppets. Now, um, after the uh, after the show was over, uh, everyone gathered around outside. Steve had actually brought several um, of items that he had purchased at Sesame Place in Philadelphia the week before. He had just had the opportunity to go out there and visit that part. Uh, and if you wanted to win a prize, you had to answer questions. First question he asked was, what Sesame Street character sings C is for Cookie? I'll tell you, it was a fierce battle. There was uh, wits going round about. But my wife was the first one with her hand up, and she did answer Cookie Monster, which was the correct answer. And we won a Cookie Monster ornament straight from Sesame Place. Thank you so much, Steve. That was very appreciated. And I, again, that's going to have a very honored spot on our tree this year. After that opportunity, or after that event, rather, uh, we had about uh, three hours before the next event that, uh, that was going to go on for Friends of the Magic. So at this time, my family and I, we kind of separated ourselves from the group. Uh, you know, we enjoyed having the opportunity just to uh, get, it, get there, say hi to our friends, say hi to the people that we knew. Uh, but it was also an opportunity for us to uh, have a little bit of family time at the parks as well. Uh, after the Frozen event, we went to uh, up along the Pacific Wharf area of California Adventure, my daughter absolutely loves sourdough bread, so we stopped at the Bodon Bakery. We got our little piece of sourdough bread, watched them making bread, and we ended up buying bread. You know, what do you figure? You go to Disneyland, you buy bread. Why not, hey? Uh, after we got that, we went across the way to the Ghirardelli factory. Uh, we had to cleanse our palates from that uh, sourdough, right? So we got our samples of uh, Ghirardelli chocolate, as we normally do. Uh, once we had finished up there, uh, we went ahead and walked up to uh, the Little Mermaid attraction. We've never uh, the, there's there's versions of this both at California Adventure as well as uh, Walt Disney World at um, yeah in the New Fantasyland. Uh, it's been a favorite of ours uh, since it opened. It's a very quick line, rarely has much of a wait, uh, but it goes through and it does tell the story of. Uh, starting off with Sebastian narrating uh, the events of the movie and you go through and you see Ariel in her grotto and there's the big production number of Under the Sea where that's the the big room with so much happening in there. You've got Sebastian swinging his arms as an animatronic. You've got the fluke playing the fluke. Uh, you've got, uh, actually there's even the incredible Mr. Limpet hiding somewhere in there, but hey, you didn't hear that from me. Uh, after the Little Mermaid, uh, it's time for a little bit of excitement on our part. So we walked to the back of the park, and we rode California Screamin'. Fifteen-minute wait. Uh, first person to ride it was uh, my wife and my daughter, and yeah, they had fun. Uh, then after that, it was my turn. We had asked for a parent pass, and well, my seven-year-old son didn't want to go on it again, so my daughter said, Dad, let's go. So we went ahead and rode it. Uh, while we were riding that, uh, my wife, my son, and my youngest daughter, the three-year-old, uh, went over and rode uh, King Triton's Carousel, uh, which is right next to California Screamin'. Now, if you've never seen California Screamin' in action, it is a roller coaster, but rather than having to go up a lift, there's actually a mag system under it where it shoots you out uh, before you climb up the first hill. Uh, lots of fun. It's the only roller coaster in the Disney properties in California that's got a loop. But again, it's a, it's one of our favorites. 
By this time, we were starting to you know, think about what we were going to do a little bit later that afternoon. Uh, we decided to go ahead and walk across the Esplanade back into Disneyland. And uh, as we were there, we were looking at our food options. We thought about, well, what do we want to do? Where do we want to go? Um, and at this time of day, it was starting to get to a point where, you know what? We probably ought to check into the hotel room. We don't want to show up at midnight and find out that there's going to be issues. So uh, the two older kids, my 10-year-old daughter and my 7-year-old son, stayed with me while my wife and the 3-year-old went back to the car and went to go check in at the hotel. Uh, at 4 o'clock that afternoon, the, uh, Scott and Tracy Morris from Disney, Indiana, were hosting their podcast event uh, over by the Roger Rabbit ride. Uh, this was called... Smile, darn you, smile, the second verse. Now, if you remember, at the end of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, all of the characters uh, come together and they sing Smile, darn you, smile. And one of the background tracks that happens to be in this area of Toontown at Disneyland is Smile, darn you, smile. I have no idea how they planned this or how they expected it, but Scott knew exactly when the background track for Smile, Darny Smile was going to come up in the Toontown music track. We hit it right on time. Everyone who was there for the Friends of the Magic was there to sing along, and yeah, we got it just right. Now, Scott and Tracy also had a, a bit of a trivia quiz. They uh, gave away both a Blu-ray copy of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, as well as a Funko Pop vinyl of Jessica Rabbit. Unfortunately, we weren't as quick on the draw with that event as we were with the uh, Cookie Monster question, but still, it was a good time. After the event, we got to uh, go ahead and get in line and ride who, uh, the Roger Rabbit ride there at California or there at Disneyland. Uh, we were towards the back of the line. Uh, if you're familiar with any of the uh, individuals who uh, are around Paul. Uh, we uh, were actually standing in line right behind Gary Chambers and right in front of uh, Clinton and Bonnie from the Comedy Forecast podcast, as well as uh, uh, Blackjack Joe and Joshua Banker. Now, everyone helped keep my kids occupied as we went through the queue. If you have never been on the Roger Rabbit ride at Disneyland, uh, you don't just hop onto the ride, and you don't just have a series of switchbacks in the queue. You go into the building, into the show building itself, uh, and the queue makes up the back alleys of Toontown. Now, you start off by going past the Ink and Paint Club. Uh, at one point, uh, there's a gorilla behind a door that slides the glass out of the way and asks, what do you want? You can see Jessica Rabbit in her silhouette moving back and forth across a window. Uh, you look into Baby Herman's apartment, and you can see him reading the paper and smoking his cigar. Uh, you also get to see some dip being made. The ride itself, uh, it's an awful lot of fun. Uh, what you do is uh, you know, imagine a dark ride like, uh, like Snow White or like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is probably more appropriate. And instead of a regular ride vehicle, you slap a teacup on it. Well, you get going and you can get spinning through this ride. They have set up the ride so that no matter what direction you're looking in, you, you're going to see something. Most black or most dark rides, uh, it's just a, you've got pieces of plywood painted on one side, they're painted black on the other, there's nothing to see if you look back. But on this ride, because you're spinning around all the way, 
Everything is either three-dimensional and lit, or else it's got painting on both sides of this plywood. You know, everything from the point where it looks like you are falling down stories from uh, a very large height among buildings to well, getting knocked on the head and you see cuckoos and alarm clocks and things spinning around you as you go through. Uh, all up until where you run into risk of being dipped and Roger's there at the very last minute to save him. You know, there are a lot of rumors, and especially after uh, the D23 announcement, that Toontown is going to be going away to make way for the new Star Wars land area. You know, I think it's going to be a shame if we lose the Roger Rabbit ride, Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin. Uh, but, you know, we'll have to see what happens. And, hey, a little bit of Star Wars never hurt anybody. After that event, uh, I took the... We took some pictures around. I got to actually chat with uh, Steve Swanson for a bit, as well as Bryn McKinnon, who uh, co-hosts Window to the Magic with Paul. Uh, we then decided it was time to go get some dinner. We went over to the Stage Door Cafe, and we all had chicken nuggets <laughs> from there. Uh, we then made our way to Main Street, because at 6 o'clock that evening, the entire group was going to start getting together to save places for the new Paint the Night Parade and the Disneyland Forever Fireworks Show. Uh, there, uh, Matt Cox and Maria from Brunching with the Brits had already set up, uh, uh, had saved an area for all of us where we could sit there and watch the parade. Now, this was at 6 o'clock. The parade wasn't scheduled to start until 8.50, so we had about a three-hour wait. Now, I rarely sit and wait for shows at Disneyland. I figure... You know, if, uh, if there's an opening, yeah, I'll go and I'll see it, but, uh, man, a three-hour wait? Well, we all got to know each other really well during that uh, two-hour and 50-minute wait. You know, uh, Maria, uh, as well as Tracy Morris, both took to my uh, youngest daughter and were making sure that her and her brother and sister were uh, playing nice and having fun and generally just staying all upbeat. Uh, the parade, oh my goodness, Paint the Night is just so incredible. It really is the successor to the Main Street Electrical Parade. Everything from the uh, Baroque hoedown background to it, to just the way the floats are constructed, the way that the lights are set up on there, really words cannot even do it justice. It is absolutely incredible. Now this was followed up about 20 minutes later by the Disneyland Forever Fireworks Show. That's the new fireworks show. And in addition to having fireworks going off off of the castle and from off the top of the Matterhorn, there are also projections going all the way up and down Main Street. They light these projections up against the, the building facades there on Main Street. You can see everything from chimney sweeps dancing on these facades to pink elephants and heffalumps and woozles doing their thing. And at the very end, they break out that Let It Go song. And not only do they let it go, but they let it snow. And, you know, I've never been at Disneyland to see the snow falling during the nighttime fireworks at Christmas time. But, man, that was just awesome. All of the kids loved it. All of the kids enjoyed it. And we really enjoyed and liked it, too. Now, by this point, though, it was getting awfully close to uh, 10 o'clock by the time that the fireworks were over. Uh, we needed to get back to our hotel and get in for the night. And as we're uh, exiting the park, who should we run into? but Paul Berry and his son Calvin. Now, because I didn't have the opportunity to walk with them earlier that night, uh, I asked Paul, hey, mind if I walk with you? And we walked most of the way back to the Toy Story lot where our car had been parked. Uh, again, wonderful end to the night. We, listening to the music, 
watching the fireworks and visiting with all of our friends was just absolutely terrific. But we had another day. We were up nice and early on Sunday morning. Uh, we got to the park just uh, right around Rope Drop. And let me tell you, there is nothing like being at Disneyland first thing in the morning or last thing at night. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that are there waiting to get in, but once they're in the park, it's practically empty still. We uh, were able to uh, get right onto the Indiana Jones Adventure. Indiana Jones is one of my favorite rides at Disneyland. Uh, not just because it's Indiana Jones, but you know, it's it's just it's so big, it's massive. It is an e-ticket in every sense of the word. You jump into your the jeep that's there. You try not to stare into the eyes of Mara, and when you do, you end up going on a terrific adventure, running through this temple, avoiding giant snakes, avoiding lava pits, avoiding uh, javelins being thrown at you, and also trying to avoid being crushed by that huge rolling rock from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, both of my two older kids loved this ride as well, and they were, we were able to do a parent swap on that. Now, after we rode Indiana Jones, we decided we were going to uh, hit Pirates of the Caribbean, which, again, no wait, we got right on. Went to go ride the Haunted Mansion. Again, no wait, we got right on. Uh, excellent thing about Haunted Mansion is they have added the Hatbox Ghost. Now, I know that uh, Jeremy has spo spoken about that previously uh, a few episodes back, but let me tell you, uh, even just the addition of that extra effect just makes the Haunted Mansion that much more fun. After the Haunted Mansion, right next to that is Splash Mountain. Again, Splash Mountain, a lot of fun. We enjoy going on that one. Just can't wait for our three-year-old to get big enough so that we can all ride it together as a family. Uh, after Splash Mountain, we had fast passes for Big Thunder Mountain. So we made our way over there, and sure enough, uh, that darn goat was still eating dynamite. Sure enough, we uh, you know, almost got blasted out of the mine, and we ran into Gary Chambers over there. Again, listen to the Mouse Lounge podcast. Gary's going to have some fantastic audio coming up on his next few shows. Uh, by that time, uh, again, it was starting to get a little bit later in the day. Uh, we, My family, we went to go ride It's a Small World. Nobody got stuck on there. We still have the song in our heads. But hey, it's a small world. Come on. It's great. Uh, we then made our way over to Star Tours. Uh, me and the two older kids rode that. We ended up getting uh, the Darth Vader opening. We, had, uh, we first went to Kashyyyk and saw Chewbacca trying to stay, you know, who got caught up onto the top of the star speeder and, well, fell off. Uh, we then got Yoda giving us instructions to get our rebels, as to where to get our rebel spy, and we ended up going to Geonosis. First thing we know, we have got Boba Fett in the Slave One shooting at us. We go through the asteroid field, and all of a sudden, there we are, we're right in front of the Death Star being constructed. We start to go down for a trench run, we come back out, and we start heading back towards Geonosis when Boba Fett lets off one of those sonic bombs. And then, boom! That's one of my favorite sequences. Now, if the pod race was in there, that would make it that much better. I know it's there, I've seen it, but uh, again, that the pod race is my absolute favorite sequence whenever it does come up. Uh, the ones that we usually tend to get are going to Hoth, and uh, going to Naboo. Uh, but again, Star Tours, wonderful fun. 
By this time, uh, it was time to meet up with Matt and Maria from Brunching with the Brits podcast. Uh, they were having a meet over at the Tiki Room. Now, Matt had found a connection to England in the Tiki Room. Now, if you're not familiar with Brunching with the Brits, Matt actually uh, gets audio from old BBC recordings and uh, shows and, from BBC Radio and plays them on, you know, on, on his podcast. So he's very interested in England and uh, all things Anglo. So he had tried to find some connection that the Tiki Room had to England. Now, I'm not going to tell you what he found. I'm also not going to tell you what I guessed. But, uh, again, it was a fantastic time. Uh, at that meet, I actually got to meet uh, Richard and Sarah Woloski from uh, Skywalking Through Neverland. Great people, and I'm so glad that I was able to meet them as well. Uh, and uh, and the kids as well. They were really excited. They especially liked Sarah's Tinkerbell running shoes. Uh, inside there... Uh, if, if you've never heard of it, if you've never seen it, Tiki Room really are, is filled with animatronic birds, flowers, and tiki gods. Look it up. You gotta see it. It is one of the classics at Disneyland, and I'm glad that they were able to restore most of it uh, at Walt Disney World here a couple years ago. After that was Clinton, uh, was the comedy forecast meet hosted by Clinton Alford. Uh, with that... We rode the Jungle Cruise. Now, Clinton, last year, um, did the same thing, where we went on the Jungle Cruise, and he had actually listened to several different uh, Jungle Cruise narrations from the past year, and he had identified certain jokes that were said a lot of the time, certain jokes that were said some of the time, and certain jokes that were said rarely. And we basically played bingo. You got a card with three different phrases on it, and if you got all three phrases, then you won. Well, that was a hit last year, so Clinton decided to do it again this year using phrases from within the last year. Um, we managed to get our entire group onto the boat, and as we set sail down the, the jungle, we knew that we had a great skipper leading our boat. Uh, hope, I know that uh, Scott and Tracy from Disney Indiana recorded that, so I'm sure we're going to hear the audio from that ride on their show. Uh, all I can say is it was a good ride. I am confident that the skipper had never gotten quite the reaction to the Hokey Pokey as he did on that cruise. And again, you'll just have to listen to Disney Indiana to, get, to hear how that one turned out. Uh, unfortunately, at the end of the Jungle Cruise, it was time for me and my family to head back to the airport so that we could catch our flights back home. Now, I know that uh, there were some pretty fantastic things that happened afterwards in New Orleans Square with a sing-along, as well as the Woloski's event over at the Jedi Training Academy. Uh, please check out their show, Skywalking Through Neverland, to find out what unique and never-before thing happened uh, occurred with their meet. Again, Friends of the Magic, it is a wonderful time. It's a great opportunity to say hi, to get to know people, to, as well as to visit and spend time with friends that you've gained uh, through this wonderful format of podcasting. Uh, again, it's uh, a wonderful event. A really good time was had by all, and I cannot wait for 2016's Friends of the Magic event to come. Paul, we thank you so much for putting this together and for being behind it. Again, it's great to get out and meet everybody. Um, 
along with everyone that I've mentioned, we had Michelle Young from the Disney Green, Dream Girls podcast. I know we had uh, several other people uh, there with their own uh, podcasts, like the Diz Geeks. Uh, again, it's a wonderful and great time to be had by Al. Jeremy, I hope that we can have you out there next year. And again, uh, hey, it was a great time. This is Lost Boy Eric reporting on Friends of the Magic 2015. Have a great day. Alrighty, uh, I'm really not going to update the Neverland Battle of the Disney Vans this week other than to say the the champion of the classically animated band, uh, second star to the right, did pull ahead, and so that gives them a five-point victory, and round seven is coming up very soon. I haven't gotten a chance to update the website for round seven, but round seven will be our final round. After round seven is completed, I will be asking Tracy and Scott from Disney Indiana to come back on the show, and we will count down your top five favorite picks also will tell you the winner of the neverland battle of the disney bands but until then of course uh don't forget to email us podcast at neverlandpodcast.com which by the way you can learn all this at neverlandpodcast.com we have a twitter feed which is twitter.com slash neverlandpcast or just simply at Neverland Pcast. Uh, we have a Facebook group. Just search for Neverland Podcast. Also a Facebook like page. If you also search for Neverland Podcast, all one word. Leave us a voicemail. What is that number? That's 816-226-6492. And don't forget that you can join the Neverlanders. Follow the instructions on the website for Neverlanders with an exclamation point. Become one of the official Lost Boys or Pixie. But of course there are no Lost Girls because girls are too clever. They don't get lost. Nope. And don't. don't don't forget also to donate through our Patreon link there on the page at neverlandpodcast.com. But until we talk to you next week, God bless. Thank you for listening to the Neverland podcast. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Blueberry. We love to hear from you on twittercom podcast and facebookcom podcast. Leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492 and send email to podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Join us next week and we'll once again go to Disney and beyond. The Neverland Podcast is copyright glue band productions and all original content belongs to the same. Other content is copyright of their respective creators and is used under Creative Commons license. Hi, this is Butch Cassidy, Eddie Munster, and you're listening to Neverland Podcast. Did you hear him say Butch Cassidy? <laughs> yeah, I heard him. So I said, okay. Butch Cassidy, there we go. All right, well, let's try that again. Okay. <laughs> I take direction well. You tell me to do something, I do it. Well, that can go in my blooper there reel. That's after being directed yeah. almost. Yeah, my goodness. I can't believe I did that. Okay. Well, right, let's try it again. Right. Hi, this is Butch Patrick, a.k.a. Eddie Munster, and you're listening to the Neverland Reel. <laughs> Neverland Podcast. Oh, Neverland Podcast. One more time. <laughs> One more time. Yeah. And... Hi, Butch Patrick here, Eddie Munster. You're listening to the Neverland Podcast. All right.